This is your uh, weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight we're going to be continuing our discussion about Purim, which is not too many days away from now. Uh, Baruch Hashem, everybody is getting ready. They're making their achanas. Of the Balikara practicing, and the uh, people who are making the Sholach Monas in the family, or they're busy, busy shopping, preparing for the Yomt of Mesut, etc. And tonight we're going to discuss uh, some of the halachos that are very important for all of us in observing the mitzvahs of Purim. I, I think that uh, it sounds very, very simple. Everybody from the youngest child who's listening to the show knows that there are four mitzvahs on the day of Purim. The, the mitzvah of Kriyas HaMegillah, reading the Megillah, the mitzvah of Atanas Lev Yonim, the mitzvah of Sholach Monas, and the mitzvah of the Su'uda, Apurim Su'uda. Those four mitzvahs, I think, is pretty much ingrained in us because... It's a very experiential holiday. It's something where everybody's right in the middle of it. You see all day long people schlepping shalach manas until late in the afternoon. You see everybody dressed up in the costumes and with all the throwing themselves totally into this mitzvah. I don't know if another mitzvah that we have as a that anybody throws himself into on that level. I see that uh, when it comes to sukkahs. Uh, Everybody knows there's a mitzvah to live the whole seven days in the sukkah. And yet, if you look outside, you'll see people going in their cars to faraway places without a sukkah. And uh, I'll find a sukkah over there. I just go in and out and make a bracha. I'll be outside the mitzvah of sukkah. They seem to uh, find that the cholamoyed outing is the iker, and uh, the rest of the, the yom tov is relegated to just performing a mitzvah, like a rite or a ritual. And here in the mitzvah of uh, Purim, everybody's right in the middle of it. That's, with that said, I still have to point out that the mitzvahs of Purim are very often not properly done. I, I've watched this for years and years, and the shiles that come up, I see constantly that people do not know how to perform these four mitzvahs. They seem very simple, and yet I'm going to be able to describe to you ways in which people never, ever fulfill these four mitzvahs. I hope no one listening to this never performed the mitzvah, but I hope that everyone who is listening to me tonight will be able to perform the mitzvahs properly for the rest of their experiences in life. So let's just start with the first one, which is the Kriya Samagila. And of course, everybody knows that we relay in the Megillah twice. And it's, it's a responsibility to hear the Megillah both at the night and during the day. And everybody understands that. Of course, the Shechayon of the day goes on all the mitzvahs of the day. The other mitzvahs have to be done during the day, but the mitzvah Kriyas and Megillah is night and the day. But what's the problem? The problem is do you hear everything. And uh, you, you, are you aware? Are you uh, dreaming off? Uh, I've seen uh, some very interesting uh, situations where people are not so involved. They may have been a little, a little out of it, especially after a long day of fasting. So it becomes a, a bit of a challenge. So this is something that I've dealt with for, for many years, and I, I feel very bad for certain people. People who go to shul, and it's a nice size shul, and Baruch Hashem, with a nice size shul, there are a lot of kids, and the kids make a lot of noise, and the Balkari does 
now the minute that almost everybody follows is to repeat the Haman the second time because the first time you lose it in the noise. But the uh, Balkari is also in a rush. He's got to get home because he has to eat. He is hungry. And uh, there's uh, a lot of noise in the shul. And invariably, somebody's sneezing and coughing. And if you're in the back row, more than likely, there are a few words that you missed. If you're in the women's section, and most of the women's sections in the shul are so far back or so much to the side that it's even worse than the last person in the row, you're in later rows. And sometimes uh, they have, of course, uh, like a mechitza, and it's even harder to hear. And it could very well be that in the women's section you hear the high notes, but not the low ones. You hear when the the you hear the balkare for most of it, but there are a few words that you may miss. So this is an important topic. It's not a, a, a slight thing I'm mentioning here. It's not, an, it's not something that people should just assume they're doing properly. You have the people who lay in the Megillah themselves. They have a real Megillah in front of them, not just a Chumash, and they're sitting there and they're saying the words together with the Balkaira. So now there's a whole question of whether you can hear two voices at the same time. And even if you can hear the two voices at the same time, why are you doing that? If you want to hear the Balkare, you're going to miss, very possibly going to miss some of his words when you're concentrating on yours. It's very hard to keep up with them word for word. So here we have a situation where it's really, even if you have the Megillah, it's probably preferable not to say it out loud. But if you missed a word because somebody was coughing in your back, uh, back of you, so then at least you can insert it properly because you're saying it from the Megillah. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's the, the, uh, the preferable way to read it from the Megillah so that you could fit in a word or two. But invariably what happens is that when you're saying that word or two, he already is at least a pasuk ahead of you. So now you got to catch up to him. It becomes a, a race. And uh, I don't know which one wins. Who wins the race? Usually the Balkari wins the race because he happens to not have pronounced all the words very well. And if you're not a Balkari yourself, the chances are you're going to be uh, struggling with it and looking uh, back and forth to the Chumash. So it's better off letting the Chazan do the entire, the, the Balkari to do the entire laning and just follow along and put your head into it. And if you have to say a word, so you can say a word out of the Megillah. But the rest of the people, I've, I've told people for years and years and years, don't sit in the back of the room. Make sure, even if that's your fixed seat, get up to the front and you'll be Yotze, Kriyas, HaMegillah, L'chol Adeus. You'll be Yotze 100%. You won't have any Shilas. You won't have to run to the raw day afterwards and say, do I have to run to a shul to hear the Megillah laning that they have for the women later on? Do I have to run to somebody's house to hear it? What should I do? Should I struggle with the, my own Megillah? What, what should I do? I missed the word. I think I missed the word. Could be I missed the word. And avoid those Shilas. Go to the front of the base madrash, and you'll be Yotze. But I, very often I'm helping the, uh, the Balkari, holding the Megillah for him, and this way I make sure that I'm right there where everything is happening. Years ago, uh, we try to follow with the, the minute that we saw of standing the whole Megillah, that also helps a little bit. But it, getting to the front is the crucial thing. Now, Avigda Miller Zatzal had a minig, and it's continued today in his shul, Beis Yisrael, 
uh, uh, Congregation Base Israel on the Ocean Parkway, right around the corner from Yeshiva. I think it's 1821, but if I'm wrong, it's about that number on Ocean Parkway. He has, they have a Megillah laying over there, which is the silent Megillah laying. No hummins. They make an announcement in the beginning, if you want to make, you want to clap hummin, go downstairs after the Megillah laying and clap all you want all night. But no clapping of hummin. But Miller was careful, he said, no coughing and sneezing and blowing your nose. I mean, of course, if there are accidents, how it probably occurred. But none of that at all. No, if you want, and, and between the prokim, they give a brief pause, and it seems a lot of people all of a sudden have to cough and sneeze and blow their nose and, and who knows what, because they, they were all psyched up to holding back, and then they let go at the end of the peric. So that's what he had. And this way, no one is disturbed. So he has a grandson in Lakewood, Simcha Bunam Kohn, very well-known individual, put out a whole set of svarim on, uh, on Shabbos and Holocaust of Shabbos. So Reb Simcha Bunam uh, liked this minig of this, the, the grandfather, uh, Rabbi Vigda Miller, and he wanted very much to do it in his shul as well. But, you know, he's got a regular show with regular Balabatim that didn't sit by Rav Miller all the years. So he's sort of a court. He doesn't know what to do. So he decided, what he did decide is that the, uh, they are going to not clop Haman the entire time. But the last Haman they're going to do. And I was in that show, and I still have a headache from that last Haman. I still have that headache because it was the loudest, longest humming I've ever heard in my life. The, the nothing you ever saw beats that. And I was there, with, uh, it was very interesting because I was there and the Rav, means Rabbi, Rabbi Simcha Putum Kohn got up in front of the shul and he announced that he found Mekiris for this minute, which he made up, but he found Mekiris for it. He made up the minute because he wanted to involve the people who felt this is too from or too strange. and uh, But yet he didn't want the noise. So he did this to figure the one humming, even if we wait 10 minutes for it, we could certainly go and, you know, it, we weren't going to have a problem with hearing the whole Megillah. So that's what he does. And he found some sources for it, and he gave a whole sheer on it when I was there uh, so to different Makiris. It seems that some people actually had this same minig, and he feels very, uh, very good about it. But of course, it was from his uh, the grandfather, Zechad Sadik Vekodesh Lachracha or Vigda Miller. And if you want to see a laning, or hear a laning, I'm sorry, that in that shul in Beis Yisrael, I can promise you that you will be yotze a hundred percent. Now, another thing that happens, which is very, very interesting, and uh, again. Uh, this I, uh, you know, I I don't think you're going to find different than I than I'm telling you now. We just went through a very interesting mitzvah this past Shabbos when we laned Parshas Zachor, and if you remember, if you were in shul and you heard the Parshas Zachor, whether you're the men or the women who heard it, some heard it later, some heard it the, the, with everybody else, some some had a special laning for the ladies. The Zachor that said is not like any other laning of the entire year. I've listened to these Balakriya. They're very, very good, the Balakriyas. All over the shoals I've seen, very, very amazing people. 
but there's nothing like Zachor. When they lay in Zachor, every word is said very slowly and clearly. There isn't a part of the word that you don't hear. Because usually when people speak, they swallow the end of the the word, the beginning of the word, something in the middle. Somehow you lose a few of the syllables or some of the sounds. But they do Zachor perfectly. And you know that you heard Zachor. Everybody knows that it was different. Very slow, very loud, very clear, very much effort was put into it. Well, when the Balkari is leaning and he has to repeat the Haman and the kids are making a lot of noise and he's starving and it's just not like Zachor. So it's very easy to miss something in the back row or in the women's section. I don't want to tell women not to go to shul, but I would say this. If you're not sure if you heard it, what did you gain? So you have to be honest about it. If you're not sure you're going to be able to hear it, it's preferable to hear a laning in somebody's house because there are plenty of lanings that are going on in people's houses all over the place because the women, they have just gave birth or they have to babysit it. There are young children in the house that can't get out. There's no one there. And a lot of women have their husbands laying for them and the women on the block go and sometimes the men go. If they missed a, 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 a hearing a proper McGill laning or they missed the time, it came a minute late, whatever it was, a second late. So it's definitely appropriate for people who are not sure if they heard the laning, to go to some one of these lanings, or if they if they have uh, know that they're not going to be able to hear it properly because of the seating arrangements in the shul or because of the noise level, so then it definitely it's preferable to hear laying in the house. Now again, I have to tell you that not every husband is a professional balkari, and some of these men are doing the best they can, but I don't know if they're doing a perfect job. So I can't. Don't say that Rabbi Wickler recommended I go to this neighbor on my block. I'm recommending to go to a man who lanes properly. Uh, I can't tell you now how to figure that one out, but by next year you're going to know whether he lanes properly or not. So again, you have to choose well the place that you hear the McGill laying, and then you'll be out, say, no problem whatsoever. And young boys and young girls should be extremely careful because it's a nice thing to have the opportunity to do homon and to make the make noise and to show that we you know we didn't uh, we we want to put homon in his place we want to give give the proper tone to it the the, the grogger or the noise the sound the, we want to show that what we think of homon and what he tried to do to the yidden but at the same time you have to be outside and invariably Young people, and they may even be my mitzvah ready, have to make a little more noise, and they're still grogging or doing something, blowing, banging, whatever it is, when the when the balkari started laying further, and they miss a word or two. It's very very common. So this everybody has to be extremely careful, and you'll be able to say the the mitzvah of the kriyas hamagilah. The next part of this is to understand that the Shechianu that is recited in the morning goes on all the mitzvahs of the day. The other the, the laying of the Megillah as well as Shalach Manus and Matanus Levyonim and the Sudas Purim. Many people do not know that uh, they should be doing the mitzvah of Shalach Manus and the mitzvah of Matanus Levyonim only during the daytime. 
Some people have this idea. I gave money. Somebody came by. He was collecting. I gave Matanz Lavion. It was a few days ago. What you gave a few days ago cannot be Matanas Levyonim unless a whole bunch of conditions are met. The main condition is that they shouldn't give the money, uh, it, it, they should give out on Purim Day, if possible. They should give out on Purim, and you should not be giving the money to them before Purim. Now, that's a little bit of a trick, because you did give the money two days ago. So how can it be that the money is not given until Purim? So it has to be some kind of conditional thing, I'm not going to discuss it now, which you would have to create where the person you gave the money to is a shliach, and he will be your shliach to give the money on Purim day after the Kriyas of Megillah in the morning to somebody who's responsible for giving out the Shalch Manis on the day of Purim itself. Again, if you gave before to a person and made him a shliach to give out the money on Purim after the Kriyas of Megillah in the morning, that then that could be Matanas Levyonim. But if you gave him any collective for the tzedakah two days ago or a day ago or whatever it was, even at night, even Purim night, it won't work. Because the mitzvah has to be done during the day. And that's why we're saying the Sheikh goes on. And many, 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 many people don't know what I just told you. So that's very important. But that's not the real problem. The real problem with Matanas Levyonim is a completely different thing. We, of course, don't even know who Avyonim are. We know you have two, uh, to two Aniyim, you have to give Matanas Levyonim. It could be food or it could be money. How much that money is, is a big discussion topic. We'll just simplify and say, uh, as a, a guesstimate, $10 per Ani would be a nice idea. That's $20 for you to be Yotze, the, the mitzvah. If you want, you could give less. You give $10, and that'll be Yotze with that, with two Aniyim. That's on the, on the cheap side. Less than that, I don't know any numbers uh, that, that will work, but it has to be something that would be able to buy a Sauda. Now, maybe the Sauda is a bagel and cream cheese, or it's a bagel. if it's a bagel and lox and you're buying it in the store, you'd be lucky to get away with the $10 uh, if you've been, you have to have a drink also. So maybe two pieces of pizza and, and a soda, you might make it. Maybe a bagel with the cream cheese and lox, maybe you can make it. Uh, which store you're buying it in. So we could imagine that the, the Ani could get a Sauda with, for, uh, if you have an Aflashic Sauda, then it's a little bit different. So you, I think the number of $10 per Ani is a nice number. If you want to give less, so give less. But that's sort of where it is. Now, that's not so hard for any man or any woman to give that kind of money. It's not a big deal. But here is the trick of Matonos Levionim. Again, we don't know who the real Ani is. That's a big problem. So we're giving to legitimate people who are collecting for Aniyim, and hopefully, maybe it's going to get to what's called an Evion, which is the poorest of the poor. But that, that part we can't really delve into because we don't see the people here, and we know we're going through an organization, and hopefully it's okay. The problem is the women and the children and children don't mean just six-year-olds. Children could be 15-year-olds. The halacha is that what the woman has 
and what the children have belong to the husband or father. When your child finds something in the street, it's yours, me, the father. When the woman gets money, it really belongs to her husband. There's an, a financial arrangement. Of course, she has to be taken care of, so it, it equals out. But halachically, that money is not hers. So that affects the mitzvah of matanas lavyonim and the mitzvah of shalach manas. Because the shalach manas that she's making for the last hour, or maybe I should say a couple, last few days, and she's been doing for hours, she's been packing the packages, halachically, it's not hers. Even though she did an act in it, it's not halachically hers. It belongs to her husband. So the money that she has in a purse is probably her husband's. And the, and the, the food that's in the house in the Shalach Manas baskets, even though she made them, it was bought with his money. And halachically, it's his. And therefore, what has to be done is for the husband or the father to give a the money for a shalach, for matanas lev yonim to his wife, and she should give it to the person who's collecting for the tzedakah for the avyonim, and the per, and she should give his wife one or more of the shalach manas baskets and say, "This is yours. I'm giving it to you as yours," which he can do, and then that one she can give, or that those she can give to anybody she wants, and with that she'll perform the mitzvah of. The same thing for the children. They have to give to the children money, and then they should give it to, to the, uh, the rabbi or whoever's collecting. And the, uh, and the shalach manas also, you should miyached a shalach manas basket, at least one for each one of the children, and they will perform the mitzvah of shalach manas with that basket. The rest of them are coming from the family, and it's the husband's uh, family, you know, he's, it's his really, but the mitzvah shalach manas, let them have one that is theirs. And there's a shalach from Breira, so it's better to pick one up and say, this is yours, and put it over there, and you'll and they'll know which one it is, and you'll take it and give it to whoever you want, a friend, anybody you want, give it to them. That's basically the way those two mitzvahs are supposed to be done. But here's the problem. A lot of women do not see these organizations. They don't ever get to the shul. Some of them lay in the hill laying in the house. Some of them uh, do get to shul, but they don't have a chance to see anybody collecting matanas levyonim, especially the ruv, the rav is sitting in the front. They never get a chance to see him. And uh, it, he's the one who's collecting many shuls. He's the one who collects the money for the uh, Matanas Yonim. So really, uh, how are they going to perform this mitzvah? So here is what is recommended. A man, the husband, the father, can go over to the Rav and either with using the Rav or the, somebody else standing there, say, here's a, here's a 10 or a $20 bill. Hey, this $20 bill is for my wife. Be it for my wife. Take it and make it my wife's. In other words, your, your wife is not there. Your wife is at home with the, w- 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 taking care of the children, and you're there in the shul, so you lift up this $20 bill and give it to either the rov or to somebody near you and say, be for my wife. Take this and it will become my wife's. At that moment, it's your wife's, not yours anymore. You gave it to her, didn't you? So now it's hers. So all she ha- all has to be done is now, give me back that $20 bill. 
Okay, you get the $20 bill. Now it's not yours anymore. Now you give it to the Rav, and that's giving it for your wife. If you give a $20 bill of your own money for your wife, it doesn't work because it's not hers, it's yours. You want to say, I gave $20, I did the mitzvah for you, I was your shliach. It's great. You were the shliach, but it wasn't a shlichus because she didn't have the money. If it's not her money, then it's just words you're saying. It's not really a shlichus. It's only a shlichus if she owns it. Then, of course, you could do it for her. And even if she doesn't know, it's so you could take that $20 bill and give it to the Rav, and she's now, you would say, the mitzvah of Matanas Levyonim. Preferably, she should know about it in advance. And the same thing for your children. Here for, here's a 20, or if you want to give it a 10 for your 15-year-old, and here's, a, here's another 10 or a 20 for, my, for your 17-year-old, or for your younger kid, whatever kids you want to give it for, maybe for the little kids if you want to do it for them, even less, or you could take the money and you can give it to them and say, this money I'm giving you now is yours. But now they got to find a place to give it, as Matanas Levyonim. Some people don't meet anybody with, who collects money for Matanas Lev Yonim, so they put it aside on, on Purim, and it'll be given later on during the week. It's not a bad thing, but that's not really what's supposed to be done. It's supposed to be given out on the day of Purim itself. What some Rabbanim do is that they take all the money in, and they make a telephone call, and they tell or whichever organization they're working with, I have $1,562. That is miyuchad for Shalach Manis, and I'll get you the checks later on. But now, take care of it for me. And the arrangement is such that even though they don't have the money, they've purchased and signed and given the baskets or whatever it is to this rov, and that's going to go to these poor people. It's going to be the zuchus of the people who bought into this mitzvah of Matanas Levyonim. So again, the mitzvah of Matanas Levyonim and the mitzvah of Shalach Manas, the proper way is if for the, if the money should be yours, and we just described how to do that. The father, the husband, could go ahead to take anybody and say, here, take this $10, this $20, or whatever it is, for my wife and my son, my daughter, and then they give it back to me, and I'm going to give it over to the Rav, and you give it to the Rav, and that does Matanas Levyonim. So we've down done three of the four mitzvahs, and the last mitzvah of the day is the Suda. Now, I say the last mitzvah of the day. Personally, I try not to make it the last mitzvah of the day. With my, I don't want to call it a minute, but what I try very often to do is to daven nice and early, take along a couple of baskets for Shalach Manas, and invariably, I'm going to meet somebody in shul. So I've given, I, I heard the Kriyas Megillah. Then I went ahead and I, uh, and I, and, and I say, heard the Shechianu. And I found somebody in shul that I know that give him the, the Shalach Manas. Sometimes they're surprised that how much does Rabbi Wickler know me? It's true. I may not know him, but I, I got to get my mitzvah. So I'm giving Shalach Manas. Yeah, it could be Reu. It doesn't have to be your best buddy. Reu could be quite a few people. It could fit into the category of Reu. And then you go over to him giving me Shalach Manas. I do it with a shliach. So I give so-and-so. Can you please be a shliach to give 
so-and-so, and then we, we give the, the Sholach Monist one, two people, some maybe more, but not too many. I can't schlep so much in the morning. And then afterwards, I make sure to give to the Rav also some money for the Matonis Lev Yonim. So now I perform three of the four mitzvahs. Now I come home, it's still early. A lot of people are still sleeping. And certainly they're not out visiting the houses yet. And so therefore, it's a good time. I have a sauda. It's just me and the, the wine. And of course, you have to have the wash and you have to have meat. And that many people forget about that. And you have a suda. It was a, a small suda. And you drink a little bit more than you're supposed to drink. And that's, that's Mekayim, the mitzvah of uh, and you tell you you sleep a little bit afterwards. Of course, you have the bench. You sleep a little bit afterwards, and now you have plenty of time to see everybody and do everything the rest of the day. And then the people get together and they have a suda, but they have it very late. It's not gishmak. I see it so many times. People rushing to the suda right around shkia time on Purim day beautiful. They were busy all day with the mitzvahs and they're not stuffing themselves. It's wonderful. But to be able to perform the suda karoi, that you should have properly eat a kazayas of bread or more, eat some meat and drink some wine and relax a little bit and be besimcha, you can't do it in three minutes. It just doesn't work. So it's good to either start the suda very early, make it a three o'clock in the afternoon if you want. But you start the suda early, or else you could do what I'm suggesting of having a more small suda during the day. And that completes a little bit of the understanding of the mitzvahs of the day of Purim. And now I welcome anybody to call us. You could discuss Purim, and you could discuss Pesach, you could discuss Kashrus, whatever you'd like to. You're more than welcome to call. The numbers here are 718-683-5858. Or you can text us at 347-927-8398. Let me give you the numbers again. Texting 347-927-8398. Calling 718-683-5858. You can discuss anything you're interested in, whether it's Purim or Pesach, because we just finished our Pesach magazine. Bakasha's magazine, this Pesach magazine is, is ready to go to the printer tomorrow morning and hopefully be back in a few days. And hopefully if you're get on our subscription list, you'll get it very soon. I figure in a week to a week and a half, you'll get the magazine. If you're not on our list, call us up, 718-336-8544. That's Kasha's magazine's number. And we'll get you subscription set up right away. That's 718-336-8544. We're getting calls here in the studio. Just one minute. Seven, the studio number, 718-683-5858. Or text us at 347-927-8398. And uh, I also want to tell you that JRoot is interested in, in, in getting people who uh, young Boys who would like to collect money on Purim, we have excellent prizes here that J-Root to give you. You can collect for J-Root, which is very well respected in our neighborhood. It's listened to by thousands and thousands of people and listened by very special people like you yourself. So it's a nice idea. If you'd like to collect for J-Root, you don't have another thing to collect for, we'll help set you up. Just give us a ring. I just, sorry, just text us at 347 
927-8398. If you or anybody in your family, if you want to get a group together to go around collecting on Purim night or Purim day, 347-927-8398, we'll get back to you. Just give us your telephone number and we'll get back to you for coming to the um, to collect on Purim day. So let's go. First caller, go ahead. Yeah, give us a call. You're on Kasha's on the air. Can I help you? Yeah. Hello? Um, I wanted to... I'm sorry, uh, we, we're a little, it was I, a little bit low. Once, can you just repeat that once more? Hello? I just wanted to tell you that Ray Miller, when, when he didn't like the banging of Haman, he had a messiah from Sarbotka. Oh, wow. But, and but, also, yeah. but I, I just wanted one small or that when I personally find that the Haman being is very good for me, because when I miss a word or two words, I catch up when <laughs> everyone's banging their Haman. All right, listen, listen, listen. I hear you, but I know me. I know that what was life was like before I went to Ramilla Shul. I, I remember the, the noise that goes on in the yeshivas that I was in. I mean, I, you know, they, it, it's, it, it could, first of all, it could give you a headache. It, there's no mitzvah to come away from the, from the laning of the Megillah with a headache. That's, that's for sure. It, it isn't, I don't, I think at a certain, at a certain point, it wasn't what was thought to be and was done years ago. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it always was this way. But I, I, I tend to think that this was not the way it was intended to be. With such extreme noise and joking, and that really wasn't it. I, 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 all of us saw clapping at home and heard groggers when we were younger. And we, we saw banging with the feet. It really wasn't the way it is being used today. So I think uh-huh. it gives the wrong, that's personally. But Rabbi Miller, I didn't remember him saying in the Silbaka, I thank you for that. But I know that Rabbi, um, Rabbi Simcha Binam Kohn gave some, uh, some other sources, which was not Slobotska. But thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Have a, yeah, a okay, fair report. One last thing. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. No, no, I, that, you just know that that that, that bar in Ayurveda is unbelievable. I know it's it. So clear and so slow. I know it. But even if a person has a problem, like you know, spacing out, like listening, you know, you know, some type of creative problem, should go there. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I, I was there myself. It is unbelievable. I can't get myself away from there. It, it, it's because he's a very professional. Balkari. See, a lot of people, their enunciation, the way they're heard, the way they speak, doesn't lend itself. They have a gruff voice, and they have this voice and that voice. So you could hear all the words, but it isn't like a schmack. Here you, you hear somebody who has uh, excellent delivery. So it's, it's, it's a quality kriya. I'm not telling people to come there, but at least you should know that, that there, there are such things available. I think most people can't handle no hummins. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Thank you for the okay, call. Thank you very much. I'm afraid of the Thank, thank you, you for everything. Go ahead. You go, too. Go, go ahead. You're on Kashus on the air. Go ahead, please. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Yes, hi. I had a question regarding um, candies produced in China. Is the Hexer, whatever it is, it could be sometimes Hasidish, sometimes Lutvish, is it reliable if it's produced in China? Well, that, that's, a, that's well, why is China, in a sense, any different than Timbuktu or than, 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 than Queens? You know, what, what makes China right. impossible? It, you, what you mean to say is that China has been known to cheat, and the people there are... For that are, reason, yes. Right. That's number one. Number two, it's far away, and people don't live in China. 
So that's right. true. That's, that's true. But today's world, there's so much activity in Kashrus in China. Um, just one second. Are we are we good? Because I hear this this echo. Are we good? Because I hear this echo. Yeah, is it a problem. So the the um, it, it, China has its problems. We mentioned on the radio before. China has its problems, and I agree with you. It's not a perfect setup. There are those people who don't want to eat anything from China, both for health reasons and for cautious reasons. But as far as I'm concerned, if you trust the Hashkocha on something he's doing in Brooklyn, you can trust him on what he does in China because he has to make sure that he has enough visitation. There are some people today whose whole business is to travel back and forth to China for the Ashkoka agencies. I've spoken with some of them. I had one of them on the radio here with me. I actually interviewed him at the Kosher Fest, and he was spoke on, I played it on the, at the, on the radio, and on Kashrus on the air. Yes, you could definitely do perfect Kashrus today in, uh, in China. Is it Geschmack? No, I agree. It's not, not 100% Geschmack. But to say that it's not kosher or avoid it, avoiding it if you want to, but I don't think you have to. Okay? Thank you so much. You're certainly welcome. Have a good day. I, I, before we, I have some more people on the line, but hold a second. Um, a lot of people uh, are, 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 are texting in, and I have to answer some of these are very important questions. Number one, a person asked, does that mean that both the husband and the wife have to give $20 each? I do. You know, the halacha is, you're supposed to give, I mean, halacha, or it's mentioned anyway, that you should spend more for matanas levyonim than you pay for the suda. Most people, and the shalchmanas, they spend, they spend a fortune on shalchmanas. You see shalchmanas is $100, $75, $100, $150, and maybe I'm being cheap. Maybe today it's $250. You see extraordinary shalchmanas baskets that people are giving. And here, when it comes to giving tzedakah, which is specially required on the day of Purim, a unique, special thing to give a simcha for an ani, so not even ani, but an evion, to seek out an evion and to make him happy on Purim, that's our chiyuv, and $20 is a lot, I don't think there's anybody listening to the show that isn't spending, well, I'm not going to go into the kids, but a husband or wife isn't spending $40 on all the shalach manas, or, or all the su'uda, you know, spending $40, I don't think it's such a terrible thing to spend that much, and I think that that is required because if you want to get the guy at least something, if he would go in and he'd buy a salmon uh, in the pizza store, or he would buy a, you know he would buy a nice sandwich, a real nice sandwich in a deli today is ten dollars more, probably fifteen or twenty. But the point is, at least let's give him, you know, let's give him ten dollars worth. And, and then two aniyim, twenty dollars together. That's certainly uh, not too much to ask. Next, um, I have another call. Another person wrote in, and I'm going to get to the people on the on the on the, the live in just a second. I had a baby three days ago. What am I mechuyev regarding Megillah? So the answer is your your mitzvah is taking care of your child. Baruch Hashem. And I know people that did give birth. I know several people that gave birth three days ago. I don't know if this is any of them. But I know two people that gave birth three days ago. And I, 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 there's no problem in finding somebody to lay in for you. If you're home, I'm sure that if you're in a from neighborhood and you 
tell your husband to tell the Rav or the Balkari in the shul that you would love to have somebody laying for you, they will come to your house at your convenience and lay in for you. People go to the hospital and lay in. There's no reason that they can't come to houses of people who are really in the house and can't get out. So it's done. I mean, you can't imagine how many times people lay in for other people. Uh, they, many people who are balikari leaning uh, three, four, five times a shot at different places. And by the way, they do not require money. I don't know anybody that says, give me $25 and I'll lay in for you. If you want to give them something, fine. There's, a, there's an Indian to give a Balkari Megillah money. But that's not a requirement. And I don't know anybody who <laughs> it was a real Balkari who expects it. So definitely get yourself, get your husband on the case right away. Um, I, there's some more technical questions here and some beautiful things that I'm going to try to get back to them. But live people I have to get to. Oh, they're all off. They, they, they came off. Okay, so you could call now. There's nobody on the line. You could call. You can get through 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And if you were waiting, call back. I'm very sorry about that. Before we go on, I just want to take one minute to talk about our sponsor, which is Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. Whenever I think of Glotmart, I think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. They have weekly specials running from Wednesday to Tuesday, which means it'll cover poor. I don't have the information here. But uh, at Glotmart, you can also save a lot of time by parking at their, using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items you've purchased in the store. And at Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashras on the Air over J Root Radio. And now we're going back to our phones. You can reach us at 718-683-5858. Okay, the first caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashras on the Air. Can I help you? Hello, you're on the Please? you're on the go ahead. You're on the air. This is Rabbi Wickley. You're on the air. Oh, we lost that one. <laughs> go ahead. You're on cautious on the air. Can I help you? Hi. You mentioned before, kid, the fifteen-year-old, where he belongs, belongs to the father. Is this a lochelik? I didn't hear what you said. It's unclear. Go once more, please. You mentioned before, a kid is fifteen-year-old. Wherever it belonged to him, it belonged to his father. Right. This is a Yeah. Why would I say it if it's not a Why? Because, why because I'll, explain, I'll explain to you. When you're, you're providing him food. See, let, let's take the wife first. A wife I understand oh. is a Lohadik, but the kids... No, the kids um, too. Very interesting. Why we, you're, a, you're, you're living in America... And you think like an American, whether you're born here or born elsewhere, you're thinking like an American. You're saying the kid worked uh, after school, he uh, helped out, delivered things, and he got $20. So it's his money. That's because we're nice fathers. We say, you use the money, we don't bother with it, we don't tell him it's this and that and the other thing. But technically, 
unless a gift was given to him, miyuchud, that's only for him and not for going to the father, or if the father gives him something and it's not no, and he's disassociating himself from it, he's saying now it's yours and I'm giving up any of my rights to it. Otherwise, everything that the child finds in the street is yours. Why? Because you're living. To listen, listen one second. Because he's living in your house. And you're providing him food. And that's the arrangement. I provide the food and the living here. Your kid is now, say, 15 years old. But what if he's 35, he's living in your house? He's, you know, he, he should have been out already, married and living on his own. He's living in you. He's taking, you're taking, sometimes the parents say, give me money. But you're not bothering your little kids. You're not 15 year old. There's a halacha that when a child finds something, or anyone, it becomes the property of the father. This is, this is how I understand it. If you, if you, if you, as with all matters of halacha, if your rav tells you differently, fine. This is how I understand the halacha. Thank you very much for the call. I got a million calls. Calls of Next caller. Go ahead. You on kashrus and Leah? Can I help you? Yes. Um, I just bought candies that are um, sweet and low with with the badat texture. I guess it's a special run. And the flavor is butterscotch, and it says that it's kosher parv. I'm looking through the ingredients, and it says here that it has milk fat from milk. And I'm trying to understand I, I, how okay. they no, could no, say no, that it's no, Okay, now let's, I'm glad you're bringing this up. Give me, first of all, the name of the company. The company is Sweet and Low. Okay. But it's a badats, a pashkis badats. It says Dots and it says it says pashkas, and mm-hmm. where are you seeing this milchik thing? Is it in, in the ingredients? In the ingredients, so uh, it says mechil in Hebrew or English. Mm, it's a. It's, it looks like it's a non-Jewish company, and then they just. It looks like they made some sort of special run for okay. pashkas badats. Okay. Now on top on the on the label it says. Pashkas. Does yeah, it say, even on the candies themselves, like on the little individual candies, are like all well, the words are in Hebrew. Oh, I don't care about that right now, unless you can read the the, uh, the mechilim over there. Mechilim is the uh, the ingredients. But no, if you there's nothing in Hebrew about ingredients. Okay, fine. So yeah. let's uh, let's go to the package itself. The package itself, it, this pashkas is a sticker or it's printed on. It looks like it's printed on. And where is the where does it say badats? Next to Paschus. It's, 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 uh, it says there's a company, there's plain Paschus, and there's Badat Paschus also. So this is Badat Paschus. And then on the side it says, Bashkachas Abadat Yushalayim and Zacharedes, Yitzor Miyuchad, Avor Paschus, and Kosher Paris. Oh, so that's printed? Yeah. So we have a mislabel, you're saying? Yeah, that's right. what it seems like. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you uh, again. The name of the product. Read to me the name of the product as best you can. Um, sweet and low, hard candies, butterscotch, sugar-free. Sweet and low. Hard candies, hard. butterscotch, flavor, sugar-free. Uh, I wish I had... Let me, I may have it here. Mm-hmm. Just hold on one second. Let me pull it out. I'm pulling out my magazine. Because yeah. I, I don't have such a perfect memory to remember mm-hmm. everything we've written there. Let's they just have see other it, flavors, but none of them. Okay, but let's just see if we mentioned it in the magazine, because sometimes it happens. 
it seems it it, it does seem to uh, to bring to, to something I might have remembered, uh, but I don't have it in this issue. So we mm-hmm. will check into it, and if you want to um, you want to call us at the office, we'll answer you. Our okay, number at the office. It. Our number is seven one eight three three six eight five four four. But we're going to try to verify this for okay. our listeners. And, and I don't have to worry about that. It's nothing, right? A, if it says special run and it says parva, I'm guessing that the ingredients just weren't changed, and that's mm-hmm. what it means. Okay. I, again, I cannot guarantee it, but I would say 99.9 percent. I would say yeah. That okay. Thank I would you eat. Very I much. would. I would eat them. Yeah. So even, yeah, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Okay. okay thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Good night. Okay, you're unconscious on the air. Can we help you? Go ahead. You're on the air. Hello? Yes, this is Rabbi Wickler. Go ahead. Are you talking to me? Yes, yeah. you're on I'm the gonna, air. Can I ask you a question about my time at Lev Yehim? I'll try to answer. Go ahead. I just, I personally know people that are Lev Yehim, and I, on certain day, I give the Evian uh, 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 money personally. I'm trying to understand why everyone always gives it to a rub or to an organization. Why don't they give directly There so many Lev around? My friend, I have to tell you a secret, okay? And we're on the radio, but I can tell you a secret. Most people don't know an avion. First of all, it's very hard to determine what an avion is. But even if you determine it, most people, because we can't handle it, don't associate with those people. They, they, it, it's not nice, it's wrong, but that's what it is. I, I, I know I have uh, people that I know who've taken in some of these people into the house and served the meals. People that I would that say 99.999% of the people listening to this show would never take these people into the house, would probably not even talk to them. And, you know, the kind of real street people that are really have problems, most people would never take them in the house. And yet I know several people that take them in serve the meals, and make them feel at home. And yes, if you know an Evion, of course, just need two of them. You don't just be outside with one. But of course, if you can know them, that's the best. Who says you have to give to the stock organizations? And, and, and it probably they're not going to all hit Evions. So you, you might be better off you're, uh, doing it yourself, right? 100%. But most people don't have that openness to deal with, with people who are so different from them. Tiskela mitzvahs. Tiskela mitzvahs. Okay. Go, go ahead. You're Thank unconscious. You. Thank you. You're unconscious on the air. Go ahead, please. Single malt scotch whiskey from Scotland. Would that be kosher? Ma'am, there are so many of them. There are hundreds and hundreds of single malt scotches. Single malt is the single most problematic liquor in the industry. What it is is like this. And you blend, you blend things together. So you use from here and from there. So most of those that are blended whiskeys don't have a problem because the amount of things that would be a halakhically concern are spread out and they're, they're, they're mixed so you're going to be bottled, they'll be nullified. What happens with the single malt is it's either in a sherry cask, finished in a sherry cask, or what they, that's what they call finished or in some way affected by wine, which we're talking about, in the finishing of it or putting it in the casks. 
So if it's either it, it either is or it isn't. So with the, the with the uh, single malt, it's a toss up. It's either going to be kosher or not kosher. With the blended, it's less likely to be non-kosher. So yes, yeah, single malt. You have to read what the packaging says or the write-up or whatever, and see whether they're using sherry casks. And not just sherry. They could use all kinds of different wines. I have in the magazine, I did it, I think it's two issues ago, I have a very interesting list of, I don't know, it was my last issue. I have a very interesting, I may even have it here with me, but I don't have time to to read it to you. But yeah, maybe I'll, hold on, see if I have it. You see, we had a list of some very interesting um, liquors that were made on uh, using these casks from a whole group of different wines. Most of the people wouldn't, no, it was not this issue. It was two issues ago. It was the December-January issue. So if you need a copy or you want to see that further, give us a ring at the office, 718-336-8544. Yes, you have to read the packaging, <laughs> and you have to know what the names of the wines are. There are many different wines that are used in uh, the, the casks are used. Okay? Give me your number again, please. 718-336-8544. I also give you and everybody else a quick way to get information on liquors. That's crcweb.org, crcweb.org, crcweb.org. That's the way you can find a list of liquors that you could use and can't use. Um, you have to shop around over there. You'll find the lists, and you'll, you'll plug it, you know, you, you search for it, you'll get the lists, and you'll get the one the liquor list. And you'll have all the information uh, to help you over there to decide. They don't list everybody, but they list many of them. And uh, I also suggest you get the copy of that magazine that I mentioned, where we have a lot of uh, a lot of liquors that are prepared on uh, sherry uh, on casks, not just sherry casks, but a whole du- the whole group of different names, strange names of wines. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, you. Yaron Kosh is on the air. Go ahead, please. You're on the air. Yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, you're on the air. You are talking to me now. Please close your radio and uh, please listen to me. Go ahead. I can't hear you. Okay, I heard the word Slurpees and, and you want to know if it's kosher or not. We've talked about it every single show, I think, since we started. I don't recommend Slurpees because you really... I don't recommend the slurp, Slurpees because they're sold in 7-Elevens. They don't have any Hashkocha in our neighborhood. If you go to Baltimore, they have Hashkocha. In Chicago, they have Hashkocha. And in Brooklyn, there is no Hashkocha on the 7-Elevens because people don't think it needs it. We think you do need it. We know many examples of things that were not properly done over there. And we don't recommend any of our people to go to these 7-Elevens to buy Slurpees. Thank you very much. Go ahead, please. Yaron Kosh was on the air. Can I help you? Yeah, hi, great show, first of all. Thank you. Um, okay, I have a question about non-dairy coffee creamer. Yeah. Um, it says OUD. Right. It's lactose-free, dairy-free. And right. why does it say OUD? Can I drink it? It's, um, absolutely, it's absolutely dairy. It is dairy. Yeah, because it says on the ingredients, sodium casinate. Okay. Right? Do you have it in front of you? 
I don't have it in front okay. of me. Okay, it's going to say sodium cassinate. I made a mistake on the show a few weeks ago because I was a little tired. Somebody asked about, I think it was like rice stream or one of those things like that, soy milk. Soy milk, uh, one, of my, one of my listeners uh, emailed me afterwards that the soy milk that says O-U-D doesn't have any, uh, non, doesn't have any uh, ingredients in it. That is dairy. It's, it may be equipment, but nothing more than that. But the, the non-dairy creamers are all dairy. The reason why it says non-dairy is because there's legal definitions to the word dairy, and they don't have what's legally called dairy in there, parts of milk that would be called legally dairy. Uh-huh. For us, halachically dairy, sodium cassinate, which comes from casein, which is a part of milk, we consider that dairy. The dairy industry doesn't consider it dairy. So that's why they write non-dairy. So they, otherwise they would be subject to different laws and they would all say it was misrepresentation. misrepresentation. So they, they're forced to be able to say that it's non-dairy. Wow. But in reality, halachically, it is dairy. Thank you oh, for the thank call. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate it. Have a good, have a good, have a good you Go ahead. Okay, you're on. Kosh on the air. You're there? Oh, we have no Hello? time left? Go ahead. Your last call. Go ahead, please. Quick. Um, do you know the, um, the company David Sunflower Seeds? David's Sunflower Seeds? I don't know, but what is the story? Are they O-U-D-E? What are they? If it says D on it, or D, it says D on it, and you want to know yeah. if it's D-E, you have to call the O-U at 212-563-4000. And I think that's it. It's the 212-563-4000, and you'll ask them, and they'll be able to answer that question. Okay? Thank you very much. We have any more time? We have a second? Okay. No, we have a second? Okay. Um, do you need a, a hexha on toothpaste and lipstick? We've done that a lot of times. Lipstick, no. Um, if you have something that, uh, if you're putting lipstick on right before you, you, you eat, I don't think it's anything edible in there, but the, the flavors, uh, you know, it's a, don't put it on right before you eat. Otherwise, I don't think you should worry about it. As far as the uh, toothpaste, definitely, if you can get with it, please do it because it's in your mouth. There is glycerin in some toothpaste, which is not kosher. Some of the rabbinim hold it, like Rabelsky hold it's required. Others are more lenient, but I recommend getting a toothpaste if you can with a hashgacha. Thank you very much for listening. I wish everyone a freilich and purim, and we hope to speak to you right after purim about preparations for Pesach, and we have plenty of beautiful shows prepared for that time. Enjoy.